You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. Welcome to the Waystation. To ensure traveler safety and comfort, please deposit your baggage at the door. The Waystation encourages open discussions. All stories are also accepted. Rest from your journey through life. Enjoy your stay, and please come again. Hello, and welcome back to the Waystation. I'm Stephanie, and my temporary, temporary co-host, Shim, is here with me today. Hi, Shim. Hi, Stephanie. Love you. Yeah, clearly. (laughs) And also... Temporarily, temporarily, temporarily replacing Megan. Who's uber pregnant and do... Well, I mean, I guess not uber pregnant yet. She's due in December. So she's... December baby. Yeah. I'm a December baby. Did she get, wait, she got pregnant in an Uber? I didn't hear that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know where her and Tom got. I don't know where, like, you know, what married couples do to, like, keep the spice in their marriage. So Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> hey, I mean, in the back of an Uber, if the Uber driver is cool with it and you tip him really well, I feel like. Just, and on just, that note. Because the Uber driver, just, just the tip. <laughs> just the tip. <laughs> and, of course, we have Dave with us. I'm, I'm always here. But, and you I'm always everywhere. You can't you can't stay away. Because where are you now? Oh my gosh! So cool news, bros. We have a new studio here at Detroit Shipping, Shipping Company. I almost said Shrimping Company, like it's Forrest Gump. It kind of came out like shimping. Shimping. Yeah. <laughs> shimping ain't easy. It isn't. Uh, Detroit <laughs> Shipping Company uh, in Cass Corridor here in uh, Detroit, and it's fucking rad here. It is really. It's cool. part darn cool. Yeah, so it's, and and there's little hippie chicks dancing outside the glass window. Yay! I love it. Like it's it's really cool to like be able to see people and like there's like life going on outside. It, it gets distracting as hell. I'm not gonna lie to you. We did our show Monday night here for the grand opening. Um, there were a lot of people here, and they were really really drunk, and they were really really enamored with the glass wall at the end of the container. <laughs> I was just gonna say, wait till they get drunk and just start knocking and waving. We didn't have any knocking. Uh, but then we also made the mistake of making an event of it, so our friends knew we were here. Yeah, so they had like friends so our, our standing friends around were outside, jagging and... with us through the window, and yeah, we yeah. we might have gotten mooned once or twice. Uh, before we get any further, I want to talk a little bit more about the Detroit Shipping Company. You should; but, it's awesome. Uh, Kelly Frazier is here joining us today. <laughs> what up, though? <laughs> <laughs> I feel so bad. I should have like introduced you right away, but like we're, I'm so used to like just bantering and not having somebody in the studio. Right. I was I was waiting for you to introduce me so I can get in on the jokes. Right. Well, now now you're in, and we're. Actually going to be interviewing Kelly. He's in the studio with us, which you guys know is a rare thing. So we usually get you know calls in over Skype. So this is really cool. Um, but for now, we're going to go back to talking about this beautiful uh, Detroit Shipping Company. Um, it's there's like a little like half of it's outdoor, half of it's indoor. They have like three restaurants, two bars. And there's more restaurants um, and a coffee place that's going to be opening soon. There's a print shop. There's live music. Uh, yeah, so they took its 22 shipping containers mm-hmm. uh, that they all welded together, and it's two stories. Um, and yeah, so the three restaurants, they've got Brujo, which is the taco joint, uh, Bangkok 96, which is the amazing Thai food, um, and then Coop, which is the amazing Caribbean food. Uh, yeah, we had a, a pad Thai roll. Me and Shim split it earlier. Yeah, it, was it was really good. We ate it literally in like 45 seconds. Yeah, it didn't take we- long at all. 
<laughs> um, and just to alleviate any concerns, there are windows and ventilation. It is not just literally shipping containers. Right, right. So I was like kind of scared. You're like, it's in a shipping container, and I'm like, are, are, are we gonna melt? I, see, no, it's <laughs> we're gonna put you in a shipping container and ship you off to China, a la uh, uh, with a uh, Pied Piper. Um, well, if I'm the only thing in there, that would be very expensive just for me. <laughs> I but, would feel honored. But, but Shim, there are days where I think. Steph would feel it was worth it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did want to say um, I took a really cool photo. You could uh, you could check out Detroit uh, Shipping Co. on my uh, I said Co. but it's company Co. Company whatever on my Instagram. But you probably shouldn't go on my Instagram, so never mind. It, it's a lot of uh, K-pop stuff. I was like K-pop. Yeah. If you're into if you're into Ooh, that, K-pop, I love K-pop. Oh. Look, you, you, you're going to be best friends now. Best like, friends. I'm just going to, oh, like, fade into the back. Hey, Shim, 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 remember? Remember, like, 10 minutes ago when you were all worried about not having anything to talk about during the interview? Remember? <laughs> I know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I remember. Step away. I remember. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, it's really cool here. Um, there's a lot of, like, uh, like hip young people hanging out. There's, like, people from the neighborhood hanging out. It's not all just gentrified here. Like, it's kind of cool. There, there's a good mix of people. It doesn't feel like... Totally, all you know, suburban white people. It's all, yeah, it's well, not all it's quick not and gross. All, the difference, no, it's not the all quick and gross. Is, yeah, is that not all the hipsters are millennials, and not all the millennials are hipsters, so it's diverse. Mm. So all blueberries are blueberries, but not all blueberries are blueberries. <laughs> Whoa! I don't, I don't, I don't like what you're getting at. That just blew my mind, man. But no, so, and they, yeah. So those, those are the restaurants, and then uh, Motor and Bread uh, are supposed to be opening up. Yeah, they're coming over from Windsor, and apparently Motor their bread. shit got held up in customs. Thanks, Trump. Um, and oh, what they are, a uh, Motor and Bread, they um, they make baked goods cooked on uh, classic car engines. Right? <laughs> oh my god, that'd be amazing. I, I, I don't think that's how that works. Well, that's I, what I'm, I'm doing there. now. Yeah, and cook then, that toast on that uh, engine. Heck yeah. <laughs> um, and then the the coffee joint slash liquid nitrogen joint, uh, uh, liquid nitrogen ice cream joint, uh, is oh, supposed yeah. to be open. I think he said his final is Friday. So it should be like a week from now. Have you ever had those ice brewed coffees before? Yeah, yeah. I had – like one time I had a couple of those like out in Royal Oak at uh, Goodnight Gracie and I had like two of them and I wait, was just wait, like – Wait, wait, wait. Woo! So you were at Goodnight Gracie? Yeah. You're you're at a Scotch and Martini bar, yeah, and you had cold brewed coffee, yeah, because I don't because I don't drink anymore. He doesn't drink, yeah. So, oh, all right. Not so everybody's. I was, I was about to judge, but yeah, I won't. Not yeah. everybody's boozehound <laughs> like you are, and Dave. The, and the same people, and the same people that own them own that own uh, Atomic Coffee out yep, there. They do. Oh, so, cool. So um, they they had uh, gotten one of those ice brewed coffee machines in Diamato's, the um, mm-hmm. restaurant next door. So I had like two of those, and I oh, was just keep you up forever. The next day, I felt like I had a hangover. <laughs> like it was like, and I didn't, and I, I don't drink anymore. And I felt like I had a hangover. It was just like, okay, don't ever do that again. Ha- have just one. Oh yeah, because they're super strong. Oh, they're, those yeah. are the strongest things I. And usually, caffeine and stuff really doesn't bother me because I've been drinking pop since I was three years old. So, uh, you know, pop really doesn't give me jitters. But that thing, woo! It's so basically what you're saying is it's like crack. <clears throat> Nothing wrong with that. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you need, if you need that to get by, well, then you know where to get it. There's a now. corner right there. <laughs> that uh, you can probably grab some at. Um, but no, so, and uh, and then the Armadillo Print Shop is across the way. Um, mm. And then apparently we're bringing a certain brewery mm. down here. Yeah. So uh, Falling Down Beer Company is going to be opening up eight taps down here yep. uh, in the. 
open air side, which is where the stage is with the live music. Uh, hopefully that'll be hope next week or two. Yeah. So the uh, we're bring the the system down here this week, and then probably within a week after that we'll be up and running. And the cool thing is, it's not just us. Um, so our four taps are always going to be us um, with falling down. But then we're also bringing some friends with us. So like all the folks we met at the at the uh, Warren Brewfest. So like Batch Detroit is going to bring their feel good tap. Um, over here, if you're not whoop, familiar whoop. with that, it's uh, they do a, a different charity every month, uh, and so and and a buck of every pint goes to that charity, uh, and then we're gonna bring folks like Dragon Mead and Baffin and like all the other like Brooks and the cool. So breweries. it'll be like rotating those four Absolutely. other taps with a lot of the yep. other. Uh, all the other cool breweries. breweries that aren't down here in Detroit, but sh- but should be. Wait, so we need representation, right. man. So we're giving, <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's so yeah, we're we're bringing friends. Yes, and um, if if all goes as planned, I will be working here on Thursdays and Fridays, but I will again let you know when that is an official thing. Right now, it's just what I want to be official. <laughs> <laughs> just put it out there, though. I'm I'm, put, I'm putting that out into as, the universe. As she's burning holes in my skull with her eyes. That, that, yeah. <laughs> hey, Dave. Well, this is closer to my house. As you guys all know, I live down river, and I drive to Warren uh, to work in the brewery there, which I Where love. everyone loves you. Uh, yeah, no, I, yes. it's I have a pleasant time working there. I enjoy my job. But this is um, old, old dude showed up with his um, was it a corgi or a, no? It was Jack Russell? Yeah, the other day, and, and he was he was sorely disappointed that you were not there that day. Oh yeah. yeah, I got to see. I did get to see him that one day though. Uh, he brought he brought in his baby puppy. I love. Well, not, he's not a baby, but yeah, the locksmith. Yeah, locksmith. But yeah, so that's gonna be really cool. Like I'm excited to you know be a part of something kind of unique and and hopefully it stays diverse like i don't want this to be another again another gentrified another punch bowl social oh, right. another da, da, da. no and that's a cool thing like you know we like we've spent a lot of time talking with the owners here obviously you know because we're, we're getting deeper and deeper involved and they are i mean they're they're super committed to doing just a doing right by detroit um, cause I'm like their whole thing was, you know, look, if you're going to go do like, you look at a lot of the buildings for sale and that kind of stuff. And that was part of the issue was, okay. So I mean, they dropped a lot of money on this place, right? but they still dropped less on this than say going to like buying an overpriced building that somebody has been sitting on <coughs> for <laughs> a long, long time. Uh, God bless you. Yeah. Sorry. That was, I, I, I had need a lozenge. I, I had something in my throat. Uh, might have to grab some Baron Jaeger. Um, but no, so, you know, so the, these overpriced buildings that people have been sitting on forever. And now that the resurgence is happening, you know, th- those prices just keep going up. And it was, they were like, look, you know, either, yeah, we could buy your building and then do cool stuff there. Or we can go into the neighborhoods, buy vacant land, which is what they did, right? And and do cooler stuff there and help revitalize a neighborhood. And that's what they're really committed to, which is awesome. Like they just walked me that through makes the me um, happy. yeah, they walked me through the blueprints because they've already got phase two sketched out, right? Um, and they walked me through the blueprints for that the other day. And I mean, it's more containers. It, it, well, no, it, it, it is more containers, and it's going to be like probably one and a half times the size of this, just the expansion. Um, and they're like, you know, a Very bigger cool. stage and like a big grassy area, like big, like almost soccer field sized. I mean, it's they're going to do such such good stuff here. I, I and they should just call it the that. shipyard. 
The shipyard. That's, but that actually why? What it is, is what it's called. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> I win. Oh, who knew? Oh, <laughs> that's worth like that's worth a free desagulation right there. A, f- a free one? <laughs> yeah. Also, your TV you, has a weird aspect ratio. I you mean the, you the, the air conditioning unit? That's, yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> I like how I like how you you can't. I mean, when you glance at things, you can't always tell what they are. To be honest, okay, it says LG, so Wait. it could be anything. The front of it looks like a TV screen, but then it I'm does. Like, what are those things? Do you put things in? Them the stuff come out of them. It's vent. <laughs> at, yes, first, those, at first, I thought do, it was some not, sort of a, a TV sort of. See, I'm not the only. Right I'm there. not the only person. When I looked, excited, I wasn't looking up there. Yeah, before. that's why. That's that's where I can put the scrolling LED message. That's Shut what up, I was Shim. thinking. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a smart air conditioner, right? <laughs> and I'm a stupid Shim. No, honestly. So we actually we actually have thought about because um, I've got you know I have the TVs for the brewery and mm-hmm. I've got one more for down here. And I think we're probably going to mount that up in that corner and have it facing out. That way people can screencast yeah, to it and that kind of it. stuff. <laughs> Very up. cool. Mount so <laughs> uh, to anybody who's listening live or when you listen to this later this week, when you get posted to SoundCloud um, and to podcastdetroit.com, so, definitely come check out uh, Detroit Shipping Company. Um, it's beautiful. It's cool. There's really good food. And you, there's really good drinks that everybody here that works here is super nice. I like everybody's been like really cool and it's been all around a good experience. I, it's so new that nobody's bitter, jaded, and cynical yet. Yeah, like no, that's, every, yeah, you should every, take advantage of that. Every, everybody's <laughs> really nice and it's like not like we're here and it's like you know a little bit after five o'clock and it's not even like crazy busy yet. So you can come down here during the day, right? Get some good food, get some drinks, hang out with friends, and you don't have to worry about like being downtown where everything is packed or you're right by a sports arena and you can't find parking. Well, but or the streets are dumb, just plain stupid, and I hate them all. Well, but let's Ooh. be real. I mean, so we're you know, we're a yeah. block away Bitter. from the Masonic. We're right by Temple Bar. We're you know you Motor City Casinos right there. Yeah, you can, we're five we can blocks off it. that. <laughs> so I mean, it, it's not like it's off the beaten path. We're right you know we're we're right off Second Avenue. It's we're just. We're a block away from Woodward. I mean, it's it's not like it's that far out of the way to come to cool places like this. It, it yeah. Yep. And so we'll be recording the show down here. As far you know, since I'm in charge, it'll be. You know, <laughs> Shim's looking at me like. Mm-mm. I know this. Is, I know this is a sore point for Dave, but but it's just we're not cool enough yet to have a queue line stop right here. <laughs> we're, we don't want a queue line stop here, man. <laughs> no, we don't. No, but pedal pubs go by like every 35 I minutes. I just saw so. one before we started Oh, recording. I know. They're, they yeah, are. No, they you know, that's fine. I was like, this is the new hotness for pedal pubs, and let's be honest, I hate pedal pubs because <laughs> they turn middle-aged men into 23-year-old woo girls. I just, I can't. <laughs> I, I, I just, I can't. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> time you're like, What's going on? Like, here, what's man? what? I, I don't know. Walk me through the flow chart of your life that led you to this moment right now. That's what I need. <laughs> I don't know. I just got. I just go to work all day, man. So I just got to let it go on the weekends, man. Got, or three o'clock in a Wednesday. Got to get on that pedal. <laughs> I like my man. exercise with my alcohol. Woo! Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's okay. I don't have to feel guilty about you know drinking extra drinks because I'm burning the calories right now, and then they fall off and get run over by a car. <laughs> <laughs> Shim's a little morbid. I should be Ooh. so lucky. <laughs> Speaking of morbid, so I'm going to throw this out at you. Have you started watching Castle Rock yet? No, not yet. Oh, I had to, I had to finish Orange is the New Black first. I can only dedicate myself to one thing at a time. Really? Some, oh, yeah. <laughs> when it, when That's not the story I heard. <laughs> when it comes to Orange is the New Black, I can only dedicate myself to that. 
I, I had to like okay. watch all of that in a row. I was waiting for that for a long time. But so anyway, what about Castle Rock? Oh my God, they're doing such a phenomenal job of it. If you're not familiar, if you don't know the name, you've been it, just stop, just stop breathing at this point because obviously you're not familiar with Stephen King. Um, <gasps> it is set in the like Castle Rock next just, to just go die. Yeah, if next you haven't to, heard of Stephen. King. I know next to Derry, <laughs> which is where like it and and a bunch of his other novels are set. Uh, Castle Rock is the fictional town uh, that is loosely based on Bangor, Maine, um, where all of his stories are set. Uh, and so this is a new take on Castle Rock 2018 because um, the last time he actually wrote about Castle Rock was 1991. And it's phenomenal. Like they've got so many great – like if, if you've read any of his books, seen any of his movies – there are so many great little Easter eggs uh, throughout every episode for like just fans of his work from like the casual fan that will get it right off the bat to like – all right, me. The like the uber nerd fan that like <laughs> obsesses about everything he does. Um, just so much great. And, and the storyline is – they're four episodes in or five episodes in um, and they are it, – it's just such a great story. And there's one dropping every Wednesday. Hulu did not take the Netflix approach of dropping the entire season at once. Um, so you still have to wait for the next episodes to come out every week. But it's it's so worth it. It's so, so good. I find that to be a bummer though because like if I start watching something and – like I'm really into it. Like I've been watching Harlots on Hulu, and I, I do... just started watching that because you said so. Sorry, guys, I'm doing a live video, oh. so y'all just deal. All right, oh. so I, I just I actually, deal with that. I've watched the first two episodes of Harlots because you said it was worth watching. I love that show, and it appears to be worth watching. It is. I mean, there it's two battling whorehouses. I mean, what what isn't to love about battling whorehouses? I mean, it's it's pretty solid. Um, and and they are they're they're not quite taking the HBO approach. Where the mm-hmm. HBO approach is, hey, we're going to load the first like five or like three or four episodes up with so many titties and sa- and so much sex that you will ne- that will just you'll you won't notice when we don't have any of that in the fu- in the future episodes, right? So Harlot's like, yeah, there's there's some there's some boobies, uh, but they're like there's no ex- like there's I'll call it Cinemax after dark sex. Um, <laughs> oh, it, yeah. it's, it's not you know they're, the best. They're not, yeah. they're not they're not really showing it, but they're showing it. Um and and they are they're realistic about hey it's because it's set in seventeen fifty eight ish I believe yeah, I, yeah like when Fleet Street was like a thing and yeah it was a thing for a while but yeah it's like it, seventeen like mid seventeen hundreds I would say yeah because they show you the Street. year the very start of the first yeah. episode um and it's and it's and and so like girls have pockmarks on their faces in some cases and 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 they're they're worried about like plague and they're worried about like scurvy mm-hmm. and they're worried about I mean it's like it's a, it's a like it's it's a period piece it's so a period piece but it's about two battling whorehouses and live uh live Tyler is yep. on the new season and she is fucking amazing in the in the second season but anyway yes you should watch harlots but and I'm going to do castle rock now Wait. um now that I'm done with oranges and new black but I have to wait till monday because I have this guy staying the weekend at my house, Yay. so Sorry. we're gonna get up to writing shenanigans <laughs> yeah, and probably we some barbecue we and should. drinking. Yeah, and I have, <laughs> I have, I have, I brought a felt tip kind of pen, like kind of like this ballpoint felt tip mashup. It is my favorite writing tool. The creative juices will a, flow. A, <laughs> a ballpoint felt tip it, mashup. It's, it's, it, the point is, it's it's a 
ballpoint the, that the is point so of the point fine, is that the it point feels like you're writing with a felt tip. <laughs> it's like the best of both worlds. Well, there you go. I guess I guess that's better. But circling back, I believe you were about to Here's say something. Here's my Britney Spears nine inch nails mashup. Ooh, I would listen to that so there's hard. Got, there's got to be at least two songs with there that would probably actually work if it was done right. But I wanted to circle back to what you were saying, Stephanie. I'm pointing at you. I don't know. People can see that. <laughs> I, I, I did not turn the cameras um, on. And sooner or later, we should probably talk well, about this guy. My, my, God, I was but, just going to say, we need to wrap this but, shit up because I want to talk to Kelly about what he's got going on. But, but real quick first, uh, when you were talking about, uh, when David was mentioning how the episodes weren't coming out all at once, I think you're, you were about to say, uh, you're pro binge watching, aren't you? Oh my God, like, You yes. want to get through stuff like just blam. Well, I'm, I am, you know, I've been doing netflix now for so long and they like give you like the whole season and so i've i've watched a whole lot of shows that i had never seen before and i got to watch like you know five seasons in a row you don't have like if there's a cliffhanger and you want to know what happens next you don't have to wait i i love that and i I feel like with my i expect from my streaming to be able to do that (laughs) if you put out a season put out the whole fucking season do not Fuck with me like well, that. But Ooh. seasons end with cliffhangers. And th- but that's different though because you know that's going to happen. You like see, you expect that. But when you have an when you're used to, you know, shows being put out in seasons. Like with the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, they put out half a season now, and then they're going to put the other episodes out in a year because it got canceled. Yeah, so they want to like make rude. So hate. yeah, so. Yeah. I got six fucking episodes. Don't cancel after- your subscription, kids. Yeah. Oh, oh, I almost had you. I almost had you. I know. <laughs> See, I, I kind of have like, I mean, not some, there's not a lot of new stuff that I'm watching, but like I kind of have both problems because most of what I watch, or most of what I watch outside of TV is going to be like anime. So I'll buy a season and it's great. I get to watch the whole thing over weekend, and then I have to wait two years for the next one to get translated and actually, you know, <laughs> yeah. here. Meanwhile, right. they're like five seasons ahead in Japan, but I just got to wait. Well, uh, well so if you would just learn Japanese, I know, right? It's very difficult. It's <laughs> no very, shit. No it's shit. But, but I feel like, like at this point in your life, Shem, what, what else you got going on? I've been listening, like honestly, what's stopping you? I've been listening to K-pop nonstop for like almost two years now, and I know like five words. Okay, I don't pick things up. I, I, I listen to so much K-pop and then watch so much Japanese wrestling that I was just hoping that some of that would just. You know, like just seep in, just seep in, like yeah. osmosis, like New but... Japan osmosis, <laughs> right? <laughs> but it still, it still hasn't happened. Man. I know, like arigato, but like that's about it. Uh, arigato. Well, I learned that from sticks. <laughs> right. I mean, come on, yeah. <laughs> right. Como arigato, Mister. Robot. Magi Wasen. I mean, oh. that, that you learned the whole phrase. We can talk about binge watching some other time. This is our first episode where we've had a double interview. We have you. And then we also have Tom Hutchison joining us. Let's at make 6 sure PM. that the questions are penetrating. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because then what would it be as far as interviews go? I'm not saying anything. If you want to say it, you go ahead. No, I'm not going to. Okay, well then shut up. <laughs> no. okay. Whoa. Uh, yeah, he's getting he, a little saucy up in here. We yeah. do get a little racy. We do swear on this show because I'm. A oh, firm, really? I'm a firm believer that. So I, all those f bombs you already drop. Or, yeah, I, I know oh. that you. Yeah, in case you missed the. Memo. In case you miss all those. Yeah, F-drops. they're totally fine. Yeah. You know, no, no judgments here. I mean, yeah. some judgments, but not on swearing. Like no, you're I totally get fine. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, yeah. but anyway. So Kelly, we met back at Astronomicon. Yeah. This year, it, that was back in February, and. 
I don't know. We just kind of like hit it off. Like you just seemed like a really cool dude. And- yeah. It was super cool. Like, cause that was kind of like the first, um, like Comic Con that I've ever been to. And the reason I went is because I have like long history with being a fan of Twisted. Right. And even, even, uh, when they were, um, their previous group, House of Crazies back in the 90s. Um, so when they, you know, when they did this, uh, comic book, Haunted High Ons with Dirk Manning, uh, and then they did this, Put you know, put together this pop culture convention, Astronomicon. You know, I went there and it was just like, it was super cool. It was just like another thing that sort of, like Twisted was always one of those groups that, you know, they're one of my favorite groups of all time. And they always kind of brought weird stuff to my life, being a fan to them. And mm-hmm. that was just another thing. And yeah, everybody was kind of, like, I talked to a lot of people there and it was super cool. Like, uh, like meeting all the... <laughs> Meeting all those people in our, uh, like, Artist Alley. So it was, like – and it's different than what I really experienced, like, in the music scene. Right. Well, and and <clears throat> when you first started doing this podcast that you do, which yeah. is Fresh is the Word. <laughs> I like that. It's it's very – like, I want to sing it. I can't just say it. I've got to sing it. Right. Go uh, ahead. It's fine. <laughs> um, Fresh is the Word. See? Thank you. Now, I don't feel so weird about what I just did live on air but anyway <laughs> wait, wait before we go on you ever see that that show on disney uh back in the day uh live and maddie you know yes because i i um, have younger the other cousins. day yeah um yeah because i have an 11 year old daughter because so, yeah. I'm, I'm currently going back and binge watching it all uh, <laughs> i i know uh, wait, wait like by yourself okay. yeah okay that and, that might that might be a little creepy and <laughs> he's not creepy he's i don't cool. care but there's no and when, <laughs> i know exactly what he's gonna say too because i that was my when i was writing Disney Channel was like just my background noise, so I know exactly where you're going. So, Go for it. So when you said that, it's like during that show, Liv uh, was on the show called Sing It Loud, and anytime she brings it up, she'd be like, I was on Sing It Loud. <laughs> Every goddamn time she says it. Well. It's all right. You already think, you know, I'm, I'm a creepy, so Disney Channel, whatever. I don't no, care. it's totally fine. Yeah. It's cool. You can link me to a Disney Channel person. I'm fine. I'm fine with that. I mean, there, there was that time, like, during that time where there, it was, like, a nice little golden age of of shows, like, on Disney Channel. I, like, I Wizards actually, of Waverly Place. There's one and, I could actually deconstruct that, that, but I'm not going to. Well, and then, <laughs> you know, and, and then Jesse got a DUI and her show got canceled. And Jesse, <laughs> incidentally, incidentally, is supposed to be, on the surface, a show about racial integration, and it is probably one of the most accidentally racist things I've ever seen. That was, uh, I did not like that show at all. And it, it, was it is awful. kind of an updated Different Strokes. It was yeah. awful. That, that show was awful. It's like every single character that's supposed to represent their Oh, it's every stereotype ever. Is, yeah, it's <laughs> like, like the Indian kid just eats hot peppers. <laughs> just like, like that's his lunch. He and he talks like peppers. this all the time. And, yeah. the, and the little black girl is sassy all the time. Just like She's sassy and lazy and manipulative. Stereotypes. That was an awful, awful show. Yeah, I did not like. Completely horrible. I did not like that show at all. I I don't watch the Disney Channel, so pretty much everything cool that you're talking about right now. I'm just I don't like, even know what's on the Disney Channel my, these days. My yeah, eyes no, just glazed over, and I went to my happy. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, like, I kind of pay hell? attention to that one just because, like, and yes, she was over eighteen. Debbie Ryan was kind of hot. Okay, but well, that show was horrible. Anyway, we're bring circling it back, back bring around. It back. So, <laughs> Kelly, when you. When you're that was definitely. A Meanwhile, thing. at the Legion of Doom, 
Batman. I don't know. Somebody probably said that. I'm going to start talking like Skeletor. It's going to happen. <laughs> well, I was just watching He-Man like the other day with my uh, with it's, my nephew. It's good shit. Uh, but so you started your podcast and you were really like focusing, um, it seemed like on music. Music was like the, the main focus of your podcast. And yeah, that was, um, that was easy for me to do. I was trying to do wrestling stuff on there, but re- trying to get wrestling guests is so hard. I can like, only imagine like with their schedules when they're traveling and, and like, every, and every, so many fans have wrestling podcasts mm-hmm. and they're just, and these people get punished with, with, you know, those internet wrestling people trying to get them on their podcast so it's like super hard to get like people's attention to get them on your try to be the unique one that they'll actually like come on and talk to you about so yeah a lot of my originals you know a lot of my stuff was been music because i have such a long history of being in the music scene so that was easy for me to do and what made you decide to start a podcast so you you said you have a long history of being in the music scene did you just feel like you wanted to bring that knowledge maybe or, you know, help facilitate musicians, like get their stuff out there? Or yeah, like, so what was your you I've know, always, motivation? I've always, I've always been about uh, mm-hmm. like sort of like, you know, the more independent, like more independent artists and stuff, the local artists and everything. And, you know, stuff that I liked and just sort of getting their stuff out there. But like in the past I had, I had my own uh, websites that were based around like Detroit hip hop and stuff like that. And um, I used to write for Real Detroit back in the day. And uh, I had just gotten out of a really bad relationship that lasted a few years. It put me through hell. So, like, maybe a year or so after, I just, like, I got out of that relationship and I was getting things back on track. I just Mm -hmm. wanted my own, like, project again. Something to focus on. Yeah, something to focus on. And I wanted just my thing. I didn't want to be a part of anybody else's thing. So that's why I started doing um, the Fresh of the Word podcast. And um, at the time, I was still like a contributor writing for Huffington Post. So those sort of like the connects my, – my, my long-standing connections and people I knew helped. And then doing the Huffington Post thing, that helped also getting the ball rolling. So, it, yeah, it was just wanting to have my own project again. You know, I just missed having my own thing. Instead of working for other people and <clears throat> yeah. doing or writing or saying whatever it is they want you to do or write or say. Yeah, or it's just, yeah, just being, or just having the, the feeling of like where the position out I was in was more important than my work, you know? Right. You know, like being a writer for Huffington Post or Real Detroit kind of upstaged me in the work that I was doing, you know. So, but then I realized after the fact a lot of people did were paying attention to me more for my work instead of my position. That that was an insecurity on my part. Well, and I think that's, you know, normal because you think, oh, if people know that I write for this and that and, you know, they're going to think of me in that role and not the cool other stuff that I'm doing. Yeah. It's always that or just, yeah. Or just that like, like what am I, if I don't have this role anymore Mm -hmm. and that's what I was like really kind of scared of like for a while. So you created your own role. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) That's how it should be. You know, independent creators need shows like that to, you know, and especially because they're like what we're doing right now. There's no real format. Like we're just sitting here talking and getting the word out about, you know, cool things that are going on in the world of like independent creation and podcasting, artists, you know, musicians, all of that. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and before the internet and before um you know, before podcasts and everything, all this stuff happened in comic book stores or the record rooms at record stores and mm-hmm. all that stuff. So you know, it's just really kind of bringing that, you know, 
just recording that, you know, and bringing it to the masses online and stuff. Just those sort of like regular organic sort of meetings that you just always had. Right. But now you can find them on SoundCloud and iTunes. (laughs) (laughs) And everywhere. Find podcasts or so. Right. So, okay. And this is, you know, we've talked about this a lot. Like just in general, not necessarily on the show, but you know, it's like everybody has a fucking podcast. You know, everybody's like got a show. Everybody's, you know, right. Like, it's this thing, and you know, well, that's that's the stat I tell everyone: one out of every two Americans has listened to a podcast because one out of every two Americans has a podcast, <laughs> <laughs> right? And so. You know, making yourself stand out and making, you know, having a unique voice and, yeah. and, 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 you know, having a reach are really important if this is something that you really enjoy doing. And you, a lot of people just do this for fun. I do this for fun. Right, right. You know, I love, you know, talking to new people, helping to promote creatives because I know we can all use that help. All <laughs> creatives need that help. So, but there are people that, you know, are really, really serious and they want to see this, you know, go somewhere or make a job out of it or whatever. Um, when you first got into podcasting, <laughs> <That's adorable. laughs> uh, well, you know, I mean, have you, Dave, you, you of all people should know this better than anyone. Like you meet these people and they think if I have this podcast, my life is going to change. No. So I went like, to, it was, um, startup Detroit, uh, last year and I did a panel on podcasting and a guy in the front row raised his hand. He had a question and he was like, yeah, he's like, so I'm getting ready to start a podcast. How do I monetize it? I said, well, if that's the reason you're doing it, don't. Don't. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, no, like that's it, the, that's the, like, if, if that's your, your first thing, then, then just don't do it at all. You, you gotta, you gotta be comfortable with having nobody listen to your podcast. There we mm-hmm. go. Just, like, you have to be like, okay, if nobody listens to this, do I still wanna do this? Oh, for us, it was, it's, a, it was always bowling night. <clears throat> you know, so, like, you know, we don't golf, we don't go bowling, we don't, whatever. You know what? Right. Podcasting. That's 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 going to be our bowling night. Off we go. And as long as you're content with that, great. Because like every new show that we have that we have come through, you know what? It, are you ready? Are you starting a show that you're going to be comfortable talking about five years and 258 episodes <laughs> later? Right. And I think and we're in this sort of era in just humans where everybody wants their you know voice heard, I guess, or they're 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 kind of getting uh, trapped in the technology where. Like they want their they want a lot of people to hear them, you know, whereas like when a lot of us, maybe from my generation and before you're growing up, you you hung out with your friends. And that's probably the most people that you, you yeah. would ever talk to. I know to. ten people, y'all. Woo! <laughs> you know, what, what, what was like the uh, you know the big like trope in every like TV show about kids growing up is that about having friends and like I don't have a lot of friends and stuff like that, right? So, how many followers do you have? How many how many yeah. Facebook friends do you have? That how, you've many never met in you how many likes did you get on your likes? last? How many Instagram shares? Post. And if you have like, how, what's you have, like, your Instagram 200? streak? This what's is your, literally uh, what the internet oh sounds my god, like, yeah. right. a million voices. And oh, that and a lot, a lot of our <laughs> racism and conspiracy theories. Well, they, uh, yeah. there's that too, unfortunately. Yeah. And we're at a point where like a hundred fo- or two hundred followers or whatever is like you're a loser. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like two hundred yeah. randos are like following you. Feel proud, right? I'm happy. Like, I don't, I don't know. In real life, I don't want to talk to two hundred people. Nope. No, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Which is hilarious because you know I find that a lot of people that I know that are like artists or podcasters, a lot of us are like introverted, and we're not like. We don't 
need like a big group of people, you know, to hang out with. Like, see, that's what with, I get. That's what I want I, you to buy my stuff and then go away. <laughs> but see, that's what Bye. I. Fine. <laughs> but that's what that's what I have to really give it up to, like the people who do the Comic Con uh, circuits and everything. Y'all will have to be there for three days and talk to everybody and have conversations with everybody that comes up. I will go to a comic con and be there for three three hours as just an attendee, and I talk to everybody that I'm, I end up talking to, and I am brain dead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm like, how do y'all do this, um, man? It's and, like alcohol. It's, well, yeah, lots and lots like, of alcohol. You either have it under your table, or after you're done working your day, you have to like get a drink. You have to get a cheeseburger and alcohol in you, like immediately. Uh, but no, I hear what you're saying. It is. It's. And not all exhausting. And, and coming from where I come from, the music scene. Not everybody in the music scene does that. There are there are bands that will do the meet and greets for right. at every show, or will stick around and meet their fans, which is a super a super important thing that they need to do. But that's but in comparison to like this like sort of Comic Con thing where you're just like sitting around, you're at your table. And this is like hours on end. Oh my god! Yeah, it's like it's like it's like a crazy. It's like so. Well, it's crazy. a never-ending stream of auditions. Yeah, well, basically, because it's it's like random shows up. <laughs> hey, am am I cool enough to get your money? Am, am I cool enough to get your money? Am am I cool enough to get your money? Right. And no. And the thing was, uh, when I had uh, when I had Victor Dangerous on my uh, podcast, he was. Uh, I, I asked him about stuff like that, and he was like. When you're at these uh, these comic cons, you're basically selling twice. You're selling yourself right right then to like, you know, introduce yourself, maybe buy something at that point. But then you're selling yourself for the future that they hopefully will come back and remember you if they see you at another uh, comic con. I have to interject with a really quick Victor uh, story because I've been friends with him online, you know, on Facebook for a long time. And he was at Cherry Capital Comic Con, uh, not this this year that just passed, but the year before. And uh, I, I'm really shy. And people don't know that about me because they know me from working at the bar or being a comic book writer at conventions or podcasting where I'm very vocal and, you know, outgoing. But that's, you know, that this is me working hard. <laughs> I go home and curl up in a ball. But anyway, right. so finally, you know, uh, this year at, at Cherry Capital, I finally introduced myself to him. I was like, hey, Victor. Like he had just won the award for um, creator of the year, um, which was really cool, you know, and well-deserved. And uh, and it was funny because the first thing is like, you know, we've been friends for a long time online and this is the first time we've talked. And I was like – yeah, I'm pathetically shy, and I apologize <laughs> because you were sitting at the table next to me last year, and I looked over at you, and I just was petrified to even say hello. And it's weird how, like, these are technically my peers. I'm afraid of my own peers at sometimes. Just like I don't want to be oh. that person to interrupt them when they're hanging out and doing yes. their thing. I'm totally like <laughs> I've, I've been like that. I've been like that my whole life. I was probably extreme. I was worse when I was a kid, but um. The whole time I've been in the music scene, definitely, I'm still, I'm still like that. I'm a lot better with it, but um, I'm very much still like that type of person. I just, you know, because you understand, especially working with people, you know, with bands and stuff, you understand that like they're human beings, and they, even though that you might idolize them or love their music or like yeah. whatever, they're also people, and you have to respect that there are boundaries between like how you see them and what they really are. 
like they're people that have lives. Like I'm not, I don't want to bombard people on their off time, but and there's um, a lot of pe- and there's a lot of people out there that and they call them the the punishers. Where <laughs> they just um, these fans. They could be fans. It could be writers. It could be the publicists. It could be anyone. Where they just bombard like each other with questions and requests over and over and over again. And that's what a lot of like people in the music scene and probably other places have to deal with is these punishers that will not let up, you know, right. and who sort of, you know, disrespect those boundaries, you know. And I know a lot, you know, and there's a lot of energy when it comes into, uh, I swear, I've been bringing up this quote so much lately in interviews and podcasts, but I think it was, I think I, I got to, okay, I got to definitely ch- recheck who said this because I keep on <laughs> saying it's Alice Cooper. And he said, I don't, I don't get paid for the hour that I'm on stage. I get paid for the thir- or 23 hours during the day to get me on stage. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, well, and he's, I mean, he's the, from all the interviews I've read, like, he's like, he's a super nice dude, but he's not like, he's an introvert. He doesn't like to, he doesn't dislike his fans or anything. He's just not like the most outgoing. Right. He, he likes, being a musician, but he doesn't want to be like the rock star that's in the center of attention all the time. Yeah, he wants yeah. to live his life, be left the hell alone, and still be creative, which I I can respect that. Right. Um, so you are coming up on your 100th show, which for any of our listeners who know anything about podcasts, that's huge. Podcasts come and go all the time. They start, they stop. People aren't committed. 100 episodes is really a big deal. Yeah, and I've I've taken like two like like breaks during like the two and a half or it's almost three years that I've been doing it. Um, I came back this um, this March after six months off. I just needed a break to reassess a lot of things, and, and that's and since I've been back, whatever I there's been a lot of influence about you know a lot of different influences that went into what I'm doing now. And I love it a lot more because since then, um, I'm no longer a contributor with um, Huffington Post because they got rid of the contributor platform. Mm-hmm. So I was like, dude, okay, is this going to hurt me in any way in regards to getting access to people? So when I thought about it, I was like, okay, I'm just going to go and I'm just going to like reach back to my so- my sort of social – my like like social capital, the people that I've known for the past 20 years. Heck yeah. And we're going to uh, see – you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interview my friends. And it started doing this whole organic thing. And what I've also been doing is I've been ending all my interviews. And like, and I asked you the same thing with asking, who is somebody that's been a part of your life or career that I could realistically interview that would have some good stories to tell? Right. And that's t- taken me in, the, in this whole other organic sort of way too, you know. Because it's, it's kind of like following the yellow brick road, man. Like you're getting like it's it's it's, this, it's like connecting the dots, you know. It's like yeah. it's like being at a a, a party and. There's a like there's somebody that's a mutual friend of two people, and they're like, oh, you got to meet this person, and then you meet that person, you hit it, hit it off, you know? Right. So I started doing all that, and I and these past like when I came back, I was like episode seventy two when I started off again. So it's coming up on hundred, and I'm like, it feels like so. It feels I'm much more happier with what I'm doing now with it. And coming up, and okay, and, and I was like, oh, okay, hundreds coming up. I want to do something special, so I was just like, I wanted to, like, have somebody that either I have personally, uh, have uh, history with, or I personally have history with their whatever they do, 
Right. So I started hitting up a lot of people and most I didn't get responses back. And like I'll even I'll even say the first person I hit up. I wanted the first person I hit up was Jim Davis, the creator of Garfield. Aww. I w- <laughs> That's so cute. Aww, everybody loves Garfield. Garfield was my favorite comic strip and cartoon when I was a little kid. Mm. Still is. The cartoon's amazing because it's just it's really weird. <laughs> it's it, great it's though. Really and, then, weird. and then it had the US Acres uh uh-huh. one in the middle. Yeah. And it was so and the funny thing was is his publicist actually wrote me back. And said, "Oh, he's he's kind of tired right now and burnt out on uh, interviews because they just did the 40th birthday right. of Garfield. Yeah, so um, it's an old cat, <laughs> right? <laughs> so she was just like, she was just like, maybe try again in the fall. You know, I really can't promise you anything. I was like, okay, that's a win uh, in my book. <laughs> they got back to you. That's yeah. huge. <laughs> so I I started hitting up a bunch of people that you know from music and whatnot that I was that I was fans of." And then what I, you know, after all, I finally got two interviews that I wanted, that I ended up, is going to be a part of the celebration 101 and, or 100 and 101. First one's going to be with um, Brooklyn Hip Hop. <laughs> Brooklyn. Sorry. <laughs> it's hard. We have windows here. I'm so, I'm so listening to you and I'm very interested, but I see a guy smoking outside. And so now I know that when I'm. When we go to break, I'm smoking over there. If that guy I'm, can do it, I can do it. I'm running to my car over? and grabbing my hoodie. <laughs> it is cold in here. Anyway, <laughs> okay, okay. So I'm Brooklyn, so Brooklyn sports guy. No, uh, Brooklyn, no, Brooklyn uh, hip hop okay. legend. That's lady stuff, but thank you, lady stuff. That's my sputter. Oh, <laughs> I appreciate the offer, but okay. it's a little, it's a little too ladylike for me. All right, but uh, oh no, okay. get confused. <laughs> Episode one one hundred is going to be with a uh, Brooklyn hip hop legend, uh, Master Ace. Um, he's really big, big late eighties, early nineties. One of his greatest albums though came in 2001 and we talk about that at length. Um, and then 101 is with, um, techno legend, Detroit's own Carl Craig. Whoop, whoop. Oh, no shit. So, um, okay. he's been a, he's been a friend of mine for a while and I've interviewed him a bunch of times for various publications. So this isn't the first time I've actually interviewed him. So, uh, I was like, all right. That's perfect. Now I can actually announce my uh, my guests for this uh, for episode one hundred, and it's, it's going to be. I, I don't know when I'm. I don't know what dates those are going to be on yet, but it's probably sometime the end of this month, maybe early September. I'm going to just do them all the same week, though. I'm gonna just drop two episodes. Same week or same day or something just like do that. Do it. Just, just do it. Damn it. Well, and that's the beautiful. You know, when you run your own podcast, you can drop one whenever you want. I mean, usually people do it on a schedule. They have a day or you know whatever that they do it. But um, you know, you- I do mine weekly unless I like go to something like uh, like a Comic Con or like I went to the Warp Tour and I did a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I actually and- uh, I listened to um, like there was like two different ones that I listened to that were from that, and I can't. Remember. Oh God. I, I don't want to waste any airtime because we're pretty soon going to have to go to break, and I want to make sure that we get as much out of this as we possibly uh, can. I wanted to talk about Garfield for a minute, but well, I'll, no, I'll no, we're that. talking about Kelly. Kelly is our yeah, guest. Well, he clearly likes Garfield, but, that, and that's fine. Clearly, but we but we have more to cover. Here. I know, I know. We, we have things to talk Keep about. Going. Yes, whatever, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> so, one hundred episodes, and you got two people who, um, you know. 
that you're really excited yeah, yeah. about having on the show, which is amazing. Yeah, and it was it was it was a super. I just wanted somebody. I wanted uh, someone that people that I have long history with, whether them personally or with their uh, with whatever they do, with their music or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just so it was more personal for that for celebrating a hundred, right? Know? And that and it worked out fine. Beautiful. I can't wait to like. I can't wait to hear these episodes. Uh, I love. Like your interview style is really cool. Like you know, you like you said, it's very organic. You just kind of like you what. Know. I, what I'm trying to do now is I really want more. Like I want to make sure there's actionable advice on 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 each episode. Like I don't like I don't want. I'm I'm not like I'm not like a comedic type. I'm not an asshole, so I'm not gonna like try to be funny the whole time. But we're still gonna have fun, you know and. And we're just going to, and I just want like actionable advice. Sometimes I want to try to like talk about those sort of uncomfortable subjects at times if it if it's something that that person is connected to in some way, you know. Right, and like the real questions. Like sometimes it's cool. Like I'm a personally in in my real life, and what I would like to do, you know, further in um you know with podcasting is I love talking about deep important things like there's a we have a lot of surface stuff as human beings so it's kind of cool when you can touch when you can touch like those maybe deeper more disturbing things that maybe right now we i'm talk going about yeah because right now i'm going through a lot of things personally that i've gotten rid of a lot of the surface level stuff and i'm like digging deep into like the you know you know the the, the bottom of my my oppressed feelings or whatever so so i kind of like want to like you know do that with other people you know right no i like i'm on the same page with you i feel like it's it's important because part of and maybe this is like putting a little too much into podcasting but i feel like we if you like what you do and you can do something with it that will help maybe better or help somebody else in some way then why wouldn't you and I always and I always want to sort of have like different uh, a variety of people, meaning like women, different you know people of color and stuff like that. And like I don't want to just have a bunch of guests that are white men. <laughs> so, this, I mean, even though it's a white man's world, and we all know this, no, <laughs> I, dude. Like, so when we started Podcast Detroit, like my biggest fear was that we were going to be the middle aged white guy network. Just because, like, I, I thought that's what was going to happen, right? Um, and I can't tell you how happy I am, like, because we just ran stats, dude. Like, seventy percent of our shows on the network are hosted by either minorities or women. Oh yeah, like, yeah, and that, we're, that's great. We're the minority, and and I'm that's amazing, right? No, and that's that's exactly what I wanted. I just wanted, like, if I if I uh, if I go to uh, if if I'm covering a, a convention or a warp tour or whatever. I'm more interested in talking to all the women on the women from bands or all the women artists at um, Comic Cons because I I want to I want to know their uh, their perspective. It, it has things. nothing to do with his love of Disney shows. He swears. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to find my people when it comes to all that, but I gotta find my tribe, y'all. It's true. Uh, well, you found a K-pop tribe over here with Shim. Good. Shim is down with yeah. that. We are getting close to time here, so if. People want to find you and they want to listen to Fresh is the Word. Fresh is the Word. That's Fresh different is the than Word. But anyway, uh, if they want to find you on the internet, so how many places and where can they find you? 
Yeah, what <laughs> tubes do they need to go through? Which tubes? <laughs> which tubes? In the uh, future, we travel in tubes. Um, you can always go to the website, uh, freshisthepodcast.com. Uh, that has uh, that has the links to everything. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, Google Play. Um, I'm working on getting in other places right now. I've been doing some maintenance, whatever. But um, you can follow you can follow me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Kelly Omega Fresh, and then you can uh, follow the podcast on Twitter at FITW Podcast, and on Instagram I think it's Fresh is the Word Podcast. Cool. So yeah, you're all over the place, and which that, is great. Yeah, consistent braining is so overrated. Well, you know, it's it's, it's more okay. Fun. It's a pain in the ass. It really is. <laughs> it, it is, man. It for some reason for fresh of the word, man. It was I couldn't consistently get everything. Because some jackass has freshestheword.com well, and doesn't they're... even use it. Some jackass and, and has... wants $5,000 for it. Someone, yeah. someone has fresh as the word at on, on Insta, or I mean, Twitter and has two posts on it from 2007 or something. <laughs> it's a song. Fresh as the word is a song. So I think people. Um... You know, like it's just, an old Mantronic song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's that's right. Well, you know, you can petition Twitter to have an account deactivated. And look, take it over. look, look, a pedal bar, guys. Oh, right look there. A pedal bar. You know. Oh, and it, oh my God, I'm guessing. <laughs> I'm bet. I'm betting that's a bachelorette party. party. Yeah. I see a lot of sashes. Oh God, Shim, your luck might be improving. There you go, <laughs> <laughs> ladies. <laughs> go, go run after it. <laughs> no, they're, no, they're stopping here. Oh, they are. Oh, yeah. all right. Oh, <laughs> and no. we just lost our guest. <laughs> but anyway thank you so much for coming down to the studio like i love um i love your show and like it was weird because when i met you i just again i'm an introvert but i felt like really comfortable i didn't feel weird or awkward like we i felt like just like meeting you was like maybe supposed to happen for whatever reason like and 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 i enjoy when that happens because it's not yeah we clicked instantly it was uh, super cool yeah I, I enjoy you as a person. I enjoy, um, you know, like what you do. And people go check out this podcast. I'm telling you right now, if we could get him on Podcast Detroit, I would make it happen. Um, we'll talk later. <laughs> um, I mean, we have studios. It's a thing. <laughs> right, right. Um, yes, Ooh. we do. Um, no, six. Six. <laughs> well, uh, 100. <laughs> Building places thing. Three. I don't know. We, we, we have people outside. We do. I don't know. Yay. Good. Let's, let's detract from the fact that I can't count. Okay. okay. Well, we do have to Math take a is break. Hard. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, we, had, we do have to take a 10-minute break because we are in the studio here. It's We have to go to the bathroom and, and get everything prepared for our next segment. This is the hard part of the double interview. Um, but we <laughs> will be back. The double interview. Yes. Um, Kelly, thank you again so much for coming down here and being on the show. We appreciate you. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, I, I like being on this side of things for once. It's, it's nice <laughs> to not – yes, I totally agree. Being a guest is really fun. Right. It's, it's a different uh, different side to it. Um, but we will be back in 10 uh, with Tom Hutchison, and we're going to talk about uh, a whole lot of things, comic books, and we do have a really cool little fun um, news bomb to drop on you guys um, in regards to the psychopath trade. So we'll be talking about that. Kaboom. I know, right? Blow it up. We'll be back. Better get up and do my thing. 
Welcome back to the Waystation. I'm Stephanie. Shim is still here, and so is Dave. I know, which is amazing. You didn't kill either one of us during the break. No. Which I thought was a had a probability. Uh, no, I wasn't going to kill anyone. Wound, maim. Shank, you know, yeah. whatever. Insult. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Shim, Shim said he wanted a free desagulation, which I don't think is no. actually what he meant to say. Yeah, no. Yeah, what, what I, I, I think, I I think he that... meant was get out of desagulation free. Yeah, that, <laughs> that thing. Because that was so clever earlier. I was so, a clever girl. And now that we're back from the break, this is our double interview episode, and we have Tom Hutchison with us. Hello, Tom. Hey, guys. How's it going? Excellent. How are you, sir? Doing well. Doing well. Lovely. That's what I like to hear. Tom is a friend of the show. I mean, you've been, we've had enough discussions now where I can be like, yes, Tom is a friend of the show. <laughs> I've uh, have I reached the, uh, the have I been on the most times than anybody yet? Um, I think that's am, me. Am I the most recurring person yet? That's the key. <laughs> I, I think Dave might be, but then again, he's my engineer. He he runs right, the boards yeah, so for me. As far as guests go, yeah, I feel I feel like you <laughs> might be actually. I'm gonna have to go back through my shows, but you actually might hold that title, and I will let you know as soon as I figure that. I think out. this is at least. I think this is at least three. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at least if we're counting the uh, the tales from the con side. For sure. Sorry, I was trying to draw Sorry. Shim's attention to the girls that were just walking in because I want to distract him and just throw him for a loop. That's uh, what I'm going to do. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> you, you know, I, I did have something to say myself here, by the way. I am not very familiar with Mr. Hutchinson, and I Googled him. And I just want to make sure you are neither a dead football player nor an 88-year-old English teacher, Correct. Correct. None of the above. <laughs> okay, then Google is of no use to me today. <laughs> those are, you know, like, you know, in Bizarro World, those are future paths that he could have taken. But, alas. I, well, it's that whole butterfly on, effect thing. The pictures of myself, we all know that I am some way related to Steven Seagal. I, I don't, we don't know exactly how direct it is. <laughs> But Dude, it's I, there. It's so true. I've been so good in never making that comment every time we've met. <laughs> You're the only one. <laughs> I love it. Dave was like being polite for once. Holy shit. I mean, he was a good guy. He had some great stories. I was trying to not alienate him, you know, yet. <laughs> yes. Well, and the more familiar you become with someone, the, the more less, likely I am to alienate. Or them. the less likely you are, because you're like, oh, he, Dave's all right, even though he's kind of a dick. Like, whatever, he's all right. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about this amazing Kickstarter that you have going on. By the way, congratulations on like, didn't you didn't you get it like you hit your goal in the first day? We hit the we hit our goal in the first hour. Yeah. Okay. So that's even yeah, more impressive was, than was, the first day. Yeah. For, by the way. <laughs> yeah. For us, um, it was the fastest. The last campaign we did it took an hour and a half. This one took an hour, basically on the nose. And um, it was when the day was over. It was our best first day that we've ever had. So it's been it's been really really good so far. That is like, and it's so hard when you do crowdfunding because you never know. I mean, yes, you can work really hard and build up a fan base. You can, you know, make connections and have all these great, you know, tier rewards, but you never, you can't dictate how things are going to go. You can just do your best and hope for the best. And this, I mean, it blew me away. I'm like amazed by 
the support and not because you don't deserve it because you definitely do, but it's just so awesome to see these fans, um, you know, old and new showing up and, you know, really supporting indie comics. It's amazing. Oh, absolutely. And, and you're, you're completely right because every time you do a campaign, um, you know, you've got a different issue, you've got different cover artists, you've got a different, you know, theoretically a different month of the year. All of these things come into factor when, when you're trying to figure out, you know, who, who's going to come buy a book. Um, you know, we've been lucky in our, 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 uh, sort of our system that, you know, we aren't up against things like Brian Polito where, you know, people go bananas for him too. So all of those things come into a factor when you're trying to launch a Kickstarter is you've got to really do a lot of homework and, and figure out, you know, what, what are people looking for? Um, what makes your project stand out among the other, you know, two or 300 that are on Kickstarter at any given time. And, uh, and from there, you know, it's, it's crowd, well, it's crowd funny, it's crowd building, it's fan building, and it's, uh, you know, a little bit of luck pretty much every time too. Right. I mean, you have 290 backers, which is a just a beautiful number. You know, I, I've given to a lot of Kickstarters. It's, you know, I like to support my friends and like work that I really appreciate. And like this, is that's just incredible. 290 backers and you still have 17 days to go and you've unlocked all these really cool stretch goals. I mean, I'm just like, <laughs> I have it you know, like pulled up on my tablet and I'm just like, Stretch goal unlocked, 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 unlocked. I feel like it's like when you're playing a fighting video game and like you beat it with one character's <laughs> mode and you unlock blow, another body one. Blow. Yeah, <laughs> I mean you're just like kicking ass and taking names. It's beautiful. Hey, I was all in on his last one. I actually didn't know there was a new one out. I'm, I'm gonna have to go check it out. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's a uh, Penny for Your Soul Pestilence Chapter Four. It's on Kickstarter right now uh, for 17 more days. Um, it's it's 400 plus percent funded. So, so you're saying he really doesn't need my money. I'm just saying, no, he, <laughs> I say support Tom and everything that he does, because not only is he, he's a super nice guy, but he's a great writer too. So looks like, uh, every stretch goal has been met or exceeded as well. Impressive. So far we're on, we're on round four Most right impressive. now. So we've unlocked the first goal of round four. So we still have more to go. Um, so for those Surprises. that don't know kind of how Kickstarter works or what some of our terminology means, the, the stretch goals basically are free things that you get as the once the campaign reaches its goal and it continues to, to you know, gain money. Um, we cross basically every thousand or two thousand dollars. You guys get free stuff. So there's you know, there's a, a custom poker chip. There's holofoil trading cards. There's stickers. Um, there's just all kinds of stuff. We, one of the stretch goals was we added three pages of extra bonus content story into the book. Um, so there's all kinds of extra freebies that you get the, the, the higher that the project goes. So, um, you know, one of the ones that we just unlocked today was stretch goal number nine, which actually gets you a free cover, like a completely free additional bonus variant cover. Um, all you have to do is be at a, a $50 pledge level or higher, and you'll get that free. I mean, so, you know, we try and make a lot of cool, fun, extra stuff uh, to kind of go with it. And with the, with, with Penny Pee Soul being a Las Vegas based thing, um, it was really easy to kind of use like poker chips and playing cards to, you know, really tie into the whole concept of, of the book, which I think makes it that much more fun. Absolutely. And um, this alternate cover is Anubis, by the way, uh, which is epic. He's a cool In dude. It's so good. I, yes. It's so good. I, I, 
you know, Manix Francisco, he's done some stuff for us over the years, and he actually does the um, the, the additional content, the three-page backup stories that we do as stretch goal. He does those as well. So if people have seen those books, they'll know what his his work is. But um, this cover just went right over the top, and it's it's really gorgeous. And uh, Chris Chua was the colorist, and those two guys are really starting to, to form a, a really great partnership through the work that they're doing for us. That's awesome. And, and speaking of partnerships, I want to talk for a second about uh, Miss Whitney Cook, um, who is did uh, colors for Psychopath, the com- the complete miniseries, and she's doing color work with you now. And like, isn't she amazing? Oh, she's crazy. Um, and we've worked <laughs> with her a little bit over the years, kind of here and there. Um, in the past, you know, we kind of had set colorists, so she would come in and sort of fill in when we needed somebody. Um, but when I when I did Penny Through Soul, this volume, I knew that the colorist that we had was not going to be available. So I had to go find somebody. And, you know, I thought about Whitney and I, I let her do a tryout. And it was it was good. It was a good tryout. It, it needed some some work. But as I got other people's tryouts, I was kind of like, this, this that's not working. And so I came back to Whitney and I and I gave her the job thinking, you know, look, I've worked with, with people that are new at this and I've kind of watched them grow as they've done the work, but just on the very first issue when she did it beyond, cause she'd only done the one trial page and then she was in the issue. That first issue is just absolutely stunning. So she's really latched onto this whole book and, and the art style that JB Neto has and, and has taken this book to a whole different level now. Yeah, she has, she's definitely, um, one of my favorite people on the planet, uh, but she's very skilled and and she when you work with her, she's very again adaptable to art styles and like what people want. She's a very great listener and she understands. You know, she's just a very talented human and she's also a really good artist, by the way. Just throwing that out there. Oh yeah, love you, Whitley. She has, uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. She she actually does. We have this. Uh, uh, Big Dog Inc. Who's Who handbook thing that we're working on. And while she's coloring some of the art that's in it, she also did one of the drawings, one of the characters. So yeah, she's, she's definitely got all of it coming along. And, um, you know, she, she's, she's never afraid to hear, Oh, Hey, Whitney, you know, we need to edit something. We need to change something. She's like, yep. Okay. Let's go. Boom, boom, boom. Gets it done, knocks it out. And she's very professional and, and she's, she's fun. I mean, she and I go back and forth on Facebook all the time. And, you know, we just kind of, tease each other and stuff and and she's great she's really easygoing and um but bottom line is she gets the job done so absolutely uh, in, in comics you know when you have deadlines everywhere um the the bottom line is getting the job done and she does it i agree and like and that's one of the things um that i think has been really cool about like what you've been doing with big dogging because that you've been able to like cultivate these really good um relationships with artists and uh you know colorists and letterers and you know because we all know when you're working in this industry, like there are people that are very talented, but might not be great at delivering a product or, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. Um, but, you know, finding those people and cultivating these really good relationships and creating, you know, amazing comics is like, I feel like that's kind of our end goal for all of us. You know, we want to create, work with awesome people and put out the best possible thing that we can. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, I mean, I, I've always been, uh, so it, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm a writer. I can say it. Writers are a dime a dozen. Um, you know, they're, <laughs> they're, they're everywhere. Everyone thinks that they can write. Um, I, I fully 
stand by my belief that um, I know full well that the art that I have on my book sells my stuff well before anybody cares about what I'm writing. That's just the reality. They see the cover and they're drawn in. They open the book and they flip through the pages and they're seeing the art. Nobody's reading the book at that point. So outside of, of me talking to them at a show, if someone is just picking this up on the comic book store, the art is what's going to sell this thing. First and foremost, and I've always put all of my artists, my colorists, my inkers, everybody, I've always said that they are the reason that I am able to do what I do, because everything that they do is what the audience sees first. And without that, they would never get to the words that are on the inside. It's definitely... uh... As opposed to, you know, if you write a novel, you know, people are going, okay, I'm going to read a book. This is all the writer. But when it comes to a comic, I mean, it's such a, it's such a group effort. And I completely hear what you're saying. It's, you know, as a writer, you know, we give like a framework. We say, this is, this is what we're writing, but we can't do it without people that can take that, take those words and create that vision and, and make it, you know, make it palpable, make it, uh, you know, make people want to read what, you know, beyond looking at the beautiful art and all that other stuff. So I, I totally hear you. Yeah. I mean, and I've, I've written a book too. So, I mean, I, I've done both, but you know, comics are a visual medium first and foremost. And so, um, you know, the, the better that you can produce that visual for your potential audience, um, the more likely it is that they're going to get to your story. And once they get to your story, then hopefully, you know, they love your story, which, um, you know, that's, that's every writer's desire is everybody. We want people to like what we're writing. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm perfectly okay. At the same time, we've had this discussion before. I'm perfectly accepted uh, of the, the thought process that I'm an art dealer as well. And, and um, I will happily, you know, sell both sides of comics, uh, throughout my entire career in the comic book world. And, and that makes, you know, and before we, you know, we talked about in Motor City, me and Tom, we were, you know, sitting down and he, he schooled me on a lot of stuff. Like I actually learned a lot from you in those couple of hours that we talked. And I really appreciate your time, by the way. Um, but yeah, it, when you said that, it made a whole lot of sense to me. Whereas I never really envisioned it that way because being a writer, also, you know, fully respecting like, you know, artists and, and everything that everybody who's worked on books with me has done. You know, I always try to like, I'm a whole, like, I guess maybe in the back of my head, there's that little part of my ego that's like, I really hope my story is what sells it. But you're so right when you say, if it's just the art that sells it, that's fine because it's still getting your work in some way in somebody's hands and artists deserve that recognition too. So if you're just being an art dealer, like you said, I mean, what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that at all. Right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, there's, there's multiple segments to the comic book world. And, um, you know, the more segments you can be a part of, uh, you know, the better off you're going to be, the more opportunities you're going to have to put, you know, a book in somebody's hands. I know a lot of people on my Kickstarters and even it shows too, they buy a lot of the variant covers because they're, they're collectors. Um, but what I'm seeing is people are buying the covers, but they're still reading the book. Um, and, and so they're coming back, not just for the, the more cool art, but they're telling me, oh, I love this series. I love this story. I love these characters. So don't be afraid to sell a variant cover 
because it's still going home with somebody and nine times out of 10, they're probably going to crack it open and, and at least give it a basic read. Uh, and, and, you know, then they'll come back and say, oh, this was actually a good book too. <laughs> right. <laughs> Bonus. The story was actually good too. Fine, yeah. <laughs> if I could, uh, interject on Absolutely that Absolutely. You can, Shim. Um, as you, you say, uh, you know, writers are a dime a dozen and that's true. I mean, I've, written a novel that I think four people may have read, but um, <laughs> that's not my point. <laughs> uh, my point is, is I haven't done the comic book thing cause, simply because, to be honest, I don't have the overhead, and it's it's an expensive process, and I, Absolutely I it is. Definitely, uh, definitely respect the people that can do it or that fight to do it and make it happen one way or another. And I've, I've watched Stephanie go through a lot of anguish trying to get, you know, deadlines met, trying to get, you know, funds collected, trying to put a team together and keep it together. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, I put, I put out this like, you know, 350, whatever, 400. Actually, I think it's like 500 page <laughs> one, novel. One million page one million, novel. <laughs> I put out this one million page novel. And then that's the thing that I want is that, I mean, I got three more in me to finish the series. And I honestly want to, if I, if I get the funding, <laughs> I want to re-release them in this style of the Japanese light novel, which includes, um, which is basically written as a novel, but includes comic style Art. artwork you know every so often i would like to have you know 10 pieces per book and um hopefully someday i'll be able to do that and and i that that's for me because i want to do that but i absolutely sure. think you're right um you know art does you know help sell and it certainly something that looks attractive is going to draw people in and then oh maybe they'll find the words that are there too right you know? I mean, it's like it, it's the whole process. And I I'm learning this as I go along. And, and Tom, you've been doing this longer than I have. I'm still a noob. Like I've like what, three years now? Like I think three, three and a half years. Um, how long have you been doing this? Like like when what was what was your first comic and when did it come out? I, I we're well, we started the company, Big Dog Inc. in two thousand nine, and we published the first book that we did, which was Penny for Your Soul. Uh, in, I think it was like March of 2010. So we're officially, as of 2018, um, I've been doing this for eight years publishing. That's incredible. Congratulations. I was yeah, like to, you. you know, like been, cheers uh, people for their milestones every, you know, every year in this business is like, I feel like a dozen years because it's, you know, we work hard. So congratulations on eight years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's definitely dog years. Yeah, right. Sure. Yeah. You know. <laughs> we hustle hard, 57 man. Seven dog years. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, um, it was a slow burn for me. You know, it was Penny for Your Soul was the second book I wrote, but it just turned out to be the first book that got published because the artist was moving faster than the other artist. Um, so it just kind of worked out that way. And um, the, the first book came out, it sold out completely of its first print run. Um, we went back to a second print and, and, you know, kind of off to the races we went, um, you know, we got a lot of really good, uh, reviews and a lot of really good press early on. So there was a lot of sort of groundswell, you know, um, uh, grassroots movement of just people talking about the book. Uh, we've never had any sort of real, like comic book resources or news or Rama or, or any of that kind of stuff. None of those people ever covered us. Um, even when the last time we were at, at C2E2, before we went over to Aspen, 
We had the biggest booth in the entire floor of C2E2, except for Marvel. Holy shit. (laughs) Guess how many media people came over and talked to us? Zero. Correct. Oh, my God. Our tiny network. Yeah. Outside of our network of of podcasters and and friends who had websites and so on, they all came and, and helped us. But there was no, you know, I would watch the the pros walk through because we were right in the front i would watch the pros that i know who they were they would walk through and they would look at this booth because it was an entire island we had banners up to the ceiling and they would look at this booth like what in the hell is going on here and and i thought to myself yeah man we're going to have the the media should see this too and they should come talk to us and ask us who we are finally after four years and they didn't they just ignored us despite having you know a constant crowd and having i think we had like six artists there with us it was a madhouse, but it was great. Um, but yeah, no, we, we've never been able to to get the the media to pay attention to us, which to me, it, it's a bummer. But at the same time, I can kind of be like, yeah, F you, buddy, because, you know, we put our books on the Diamond Top 300 multiple times without that stuff. So, you know, I, I don't want to be like the arrogant guy like, yeah, eh, look at me. But the reality is, is that indie books, unless your image or your uh, a name coming from Marvel or DC backwards to do your own book. Right. They don't really care about these these new guys. You know, it's all it's all a little too clicky, and um, you know you've got to be ready for that in this industry. You've got to ready to be, just be your own marketing and not worry about trying to you know break into some CBR top ten or something. It, it, it just doesn't matter. Just do your own <laughs> thing, find your own audience, and um, you know make them happy and make them enjoy your book and they'll just keep coming back. And that's what we've experienced for eight years. Well, and I mean, you're still here after eight years and you're still going strong and still creating these, you know, beautiful books, just, you know, beautiful, pardon me. Um, And you're right. I think that, you know, creating for the people who love or like your work is important and not trying to like be the next Marvel or the next big thing. Do what makes you happy. Keep creating, you know, write what's in your heart to write, get those artists that you want to work with, create beautiful stuff and the universe will take it, you know, wherever, wherever it's going to go. As long as people, people will find you. Yeah. If if you're making something cool, people will find you, you know, one way or another, whether it's online, whether it's at a show um, you know, people will find you. There's no question. I mean, I've only ever had. And that's one of that's, Go ahead. That's one of the advantages of Kickstarter is is that you know while we certainly have a lot of our you know followers that have been with us for a long time, Kickstarter has opened the doors to hundreds of new people that have found us for the first time. Um, so you know, again, it's like we talked about. There's segments of the market. The retail market is different from the Kickstarter market, is different from the Comic-Con market, is different from the online market. I mean, it's everywhere is, is segmented and, and you've got to be able to almost produce something for each segment, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And if you can, then those are just more doors that open up to you to be able to do more as you grow. <laughs> and when you hear when you hear it put like that, it's like, oh, my God, indie creators work so hard to promote their own stuff like it, it's insane how much time and effort goes into um you know just getting yourself out there getting your work out there i mean let alone you know trying to write and get things done you have to work i feel like triple hard you know as an indie creator if not more to 
get yourself out there, whether it be through Kickstarter, Facebook, you know, any of the uh, social media outlets, um, you know, if you, you know, can get on podcasts or whatever, you know, you're always, I feel like you're always, um, <laughs> and I use this word not like in a negative way, but it's going to sound negative. Like we're always like pimping ourselves. Because, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm we're, not... <laughs> we're, we're, we're a product. Even, even I'm a product to some degree. You know, I'm a product of the, the, you know, I'm a product under the big dog umbrella. And then from me comes my products. And we need to be talking about it all the time. I, as, I was at, I was literally at my family reunion on my mom's side this afternoon. And I was on my phone like all day, you know, not, not constantly, but I was always checking because I had messages with what, well, with you. I had messages with artists. I had Kickstarter things were happening. It doesn't stop, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, somebody, I was talking to somebody the other day, how I had completely, my, my scheduling for this uh, printing of Penny for Your Soul number three, which we're just about to ship from the last Kickstarter, we lost a week because of the 4th of July week, because the printer shut down. And right. for me, I'm over here like, well, I didn't get time off, but they took the whole week off. But, you know, <laughs> so for me, it's like, there, there's no stopping. I mean, there is if you want there to be, but the reality is, is that you kind of always have to be on the hustle to to make sure that everything's moving as smoothly as possible, whether it's, you know, checking up on artists or, or print people or, you know, talking to your promoters at shows. It kind of doesn't stop ever unless you choose it to. But here's the problem. The, the day that you stop is the day that everybody else gets a day ahead of you. <laughs> and that's kind of the problem with comics is, is if you let up, then... There's so much content and so much good stuff out on the market that as soon as you disappear, something else is in front of their the, the people's eyes that you've been showing, and they have something else to go buy. So it's it's you know I don't want to like make this out to be like hey we're all in competition like I'm in competition with Zenoscope or Scout Comics or you know American Mythology because we're not. Right. But the reality is is when there's such a huge content surge that if you're not part of it people will find other things. That's really true. I mean, I mean, that's true of a lot of things, I think, especially with the way the internet has um, allowed us to, allowed anybody really to be a creator, allowed anyone to get anything from anywhere in the world. I mean, uh, TV shows, comic books, music. I mean, it, every almost every market is is oversaturated. So I can completely see your point is that, yeah, if you're not on your game, um, like you said, you're not really in competition, but people only have so much money and they only have so much time. And if, if you're not always pushing forward, someone is going to push ahead of you. That makes perfect sense. Well, right. And like I, you know, I wake up every morning and I have messages from, you know, people that I'm working with on certain projects like here. Like I, I just today. um you know, woke up to some sketches uh, from somebody who's working on a book for me. And it, it, so like from the minute I wake up to the minute I go to bed and even while I'm trying to go to sleep, my head is like it's fully in it because I'm like, I have all these things to do and I'm waiting for this to come in and I have to do that, blah, blah, blah. It, it's, uh, you know, it's worth it. I think being an indie creator and controlling your own destiny is a beautiful thing. Um, it's just a lot of work. Uh, and it sometimes I think that people get a little burnt out. I know I did. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, it, it gets really tiring, and sometimes you just kind of have to step back because if you don't, I mean, even if it's just for like a day, like shut off your social media, <laughs> you know, just like say no, yeah. not today, Satan, not today. Well, that for me, 
the burnout for me hit came from the shows because I was doing so many. I was literally crisscrossing the country almost on a weekly basis. And so this year I just basically said, look, I'm not, I'm going to do probably four shows. I'm going to pay to do four shows. I, mean, I know these ones are always good for us. I'm going to pay to do them, but anything else that I do is going to be, if I'm a guest, if someone wants me to come and they want to, you know, give me a booth, I will be there and I will come and be part of their show and I will do panels and I will make their show awesome. But outside of that, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to work. I'm going to write. I'm going to make these Kickstarters work. I'm going to kind of refocus myself um, to back to the work side versus the chasing all these shows around. So that has helped me tremendously as far as my, my burnout, because that was what was really killing me. And, and I feel so much better. I mean, I miss the shows and I miss the people, but just physically and mentally, it's so much less stress to have right. like, Hey, I know I'm doing these five shows and I can just plan to do them. And it makes things so much easier. Um, but for me, it's like, I, I work with guys that are literally around the country. So, you know, my two in the mornings, they're two in the afternoon. So I'll be laying in bed and all of a sudden my phone will be ding, ding, ding. And somebody will be sending me art. I'm like, oh, okay, I gotta <laughs> get up and edit this guy's pages at two in the morning. But, um, you know, that's, that's just what it is. And, and, uh, you know, I, I personally for myself, I wouldn't trade it for anything else. If it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. Right. right. So I think, yeah, I think absolutely. a singer wrote a song about that or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> uh, so really quick. Um, I just wanted to make an announcement since we have Tom on the show and I haven't, really told anybody about this so i feel like this is like the perfect moment i know well you don't, i don't know i don't know what you're gonna you say don't count you're like my best friend for like 20 yeah, years I don't, I don't i don't count everyone just that is that is <laughs> that is on a permanent record yes. i do not count shim does not count all right all right uh so tom gracefully and thankfully um <laughs> decided to uh write the foreword to the psychopath collected series. And I am super, super excited that he said yes. <laughs> I was like, when I was like messaging him, I'm like, mm, yeah, I might, I'm probably going to get a no, but that's cool. Like <laughs> if that happens, it's not like the end of the world. He's got a lot going on, but you were super gracious and, and kind and said yes. And thank you so much. <laughs> I'm very excited to read it. Um, yeah, of course. And uh, I'm excited to have the collected series out for fans. Who I have a lot of people who keep saying, you know, when are you going to get them all together? Because I've had the third one out since like March, and it's it's been a weird year. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's going to be out very soon. Well, how bigly of him to do that? I know, right? Right. <laughs> this book, this book is not really that good, but I said I would do this. <laughs> Oh, see, he was waiting to get, like, get a dig in on yeah, you. See that? Yeah, see, now we're even. And this is why I say he doesn't matter. She's got photos of me doing things at cons I'm ashamed of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll write the forward. And... <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Anyway, Dave, thanks for piping in after 20 minutes. Um... <laughs> I, I, I was letting you run your show. Thanks. I know I get loud, so I was, I was subduing myself. How sweet of you. But anyway, thanks again, Tom. I really appreciate it. And uh, when when the book is ready, I'm going to send you a copy of the 
you know, collected issues with the forward, with the new cover. And uh, it's, I'm, I'm really excited. It's my first, uh, it's my first actual, like, basically graphic novel. Because we're collected yeah. series. Trade I mean, paperback, thank you. Or trade paperback, no, whatever. No, you can call it a graphic novel. That's I can fine. call it what I want. Ooh, now are you going to take some advice and maybe consider a variant cover or two? Ooh. And that was really great advice that I got from Tom during Motor City. And also a few minutes ago. Well, yeah, he did bring it back up. <laughs> I, I know. Mean. I just Well, not, 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 all, not all the <laughs> listeners were at Motor City, so... You know, that might confuse them. I was throwing in a personal story. Oh, sorry. (laughs) You know, I do have a life outside of what just happened in the last 20 minutes. (laughs) Do you? I mean. Do you? Yes, but I mean, I could use some more wine if you're, you're, you know, just going to let me run my show. I mean, I can. (laughs) So anyway, let's get back to uh, Penny for Your Soul. So it's up for 17 more days. So there's a lot more to so okay. What happens when you hit your stretch goal like wall? I mean, is there a wall, or are you just going to keep going as long as people well, keep backing? Yeah, I, I have. There is a wall. There is sort of a final. Um, it's a little. Yeah, I. I'm the kind of guy who likes to tease, and I don't always play all my cards at the same time. Everybody knows that. Everybody that knows me who's, who's watched how I've done marketing for the last eight years, they know how I tease everything. So I haven't actually talked about what round five is yet. Um, we posted round four, which which gets us the last two of the, the set of, of uh, playing card jacks. Um, there's a couple of Dan Mendoza uh, hollow foil cards in there. But round five is going to be something um that we're going to try and do something a little bit different and a little bit special um and for anybody here who's who's watching who is already pledged to the kickstarter um round five is going to actually help us produce something that hasn't been produced before um but it's also going to require us to hit you know hit hit a number that's somewhat high um not outrageous uh, by any means. Um, the last time we did a, a Kickstarter, uh, we hit 26,000. So, and that was our best ever. So in order to get our round five, which will be a very big, big thing, like sometimes fridge goals are just little things like, Oh, here's a poker chip and here's a card and here's a sticker. And then there's other big things that you can do. And, and I've always been a fan of like big things too. So like that Anubis cover, like that's a free cover. That's a pretty big thing. You're just getting a free comic book basically. Um, so with round, yeah. So with round five, we're going to go a little bit bigger and we're just going to leave it at that. And we'll just tease that out there. (laughs) And as we get close, uh, you know, we'll, we'll lay some more teases out and we'll see if we can pull this off. And if we can, it'll really kind of change the scope of a lot of things that we can do with Kickstarter. Just the other thing is you never want to just be sort of the same. You kind of always want to be pushing the envelope a little bit to, to see what the possibilities are, you know? I'm not one of these guys who's going to go, you know, batshit crazy and, and have, you know, tons of one of one covers and 8 million of this. And it's like, I want people to be able to get everything, you know, cause the collectors, they want everything. And, um, I don't want to make it so difficult that they, they can't get what they want to get. So I've structured all my Kickstarters so that whoever wants everything is going to have a pretty easy time of getting it. Um, and, and as far as the stretch goals go, we're going to try and see if we can do something a little bit different, a little bit special 
And if we can, it's something that will help modify everything that we do as we go forward. So um, it'll be pretty cool. It'll be pretty cool. It sounds awesome. <laughs> something that's never been <laughs> produced before. If I was yeah, a well, betting not, man. Not the ground concept of like I'm, hmm. I'm you know, making diamonds here. But as far, ah. as, as, far as our product, it's like we this particular product that we are going to have for round five has not been made before. So, um, you know, it'll be something completely new. So it won't, it's not going to be like, oh, here's a variant cover for, for the book. You know, that, that's relatively easy for us to do. Um, this will be something a bit, a little bit larger scale than that. And, um, but because it's a larger scale, it's going to require a little bit higher, uh, dollar value for the, for the stretch goal. So that will be our wall. Um, <laughs> I know what it is. Honestly, if we, if, I if we guess. reach that goal and, and it, it keeps on going, I, I don't know what the hell to do because at that point I, I'll, I'll have, uh, you know, crossed off all of my, my list for this thing. But, um, I, I think that I've done these enough that I kind of know, where everything should land based on trends and, and, you know, how things kind of work with Kickstarter. Um, so I kind of feel like I know where we're going to land and I kind of feel like this last stretch goal is very possible to hit and, um, it'll get, you know, people more free, cool stuff. So, you know, how that, that can't be a bad thing, right? Uh, no, free, cool stuff is always good, but Shim, what, okay. I right. want Shim to do his guess. Oh, for uh, what you're... something that's never been produced. Sustained nuclear fusion. Powering the world tomorrow, <laughs> today. This, I thought you were going to actually try. Starter, man. No, I was, right? no, I was just being weird. I thought he was really going to try to like figure out what it was, but that was that was some science nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know that a type of nuclear fusion reactor is called a tokamak? This has been sciencing with Doctor Science. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, I'm done. I'm I'm out. I got nothing. Oh my goodness. Oh, I just hit my mic on oh, accident. Yeah. I do I, it's not the first time I bet you've hit your mic, he said disadulously. No. I'm Sicilian. I talk with my hands. I'm Sicilian and Russian. So I think both more the Sicilian side. We talk with our hands. We're just kind of those people. So I always hit my mic, but anyway. So are you doing any more conventions um, that you're signed up for this year? Yeah, we we're about actually to get busy. Um, it's middle of September. There's a uh, a new show in Philly called Keystone Comic Con. The same guys that put on C2E2 in New York and Emerald City are branching into a new show there. So we're going to be part of Keystone. Um, the week after that or maybe two weeks after that, we're doing an Oz show in, in Ohio, Wizard of Oz show. Uh, then the week after that is New York. And then the week after that is MonsterCon in Indiana. So uh, it's about to get really, really busy here for the last you know few months. Um, but it will be great because it will actually allow us to market uh, the, our final Kickstarter for the year, which is our Antoinette uh, horror story, where we're taking basically the, the idea of the Headless Horseman story, but we're using Marie Antoinette as our lead character and that will be our last kickstarter and that'll be happening in the middle of october uh yeah people look out for this we again this was a part of our discussion at motor city and this sounds this is like my jam i am so pumped for this so definitely uh pay attention subscribe to him on kickstarter yeah it you know i I don't i wasn't really prepared for 
the the response this character got. I mean, basically, she's appeared on a print, and that's it. And we've done some some basic marketing. We've revealed the logo and things like that. Again, it's that tease, man. You got to just keep keep you know teasing out these pieces of the of the book. But as we've kind of traveled around, and as my co-creator Ryan Kincaid has, has traveled around with some of the original art in his portfolio, people have really latched onto this, and mm-hmm. um, it's great. But I, I definitely was not prepared for it. So um, I'm I'm really excited to to get this done because I've really put some some time into researching this, uh, the, you know, the, not just Marie herself and her execution, but, you know, the entire time period, um, you know, the, all of the, the guillotine, um, executions, you know, how did, how did they run? What did they do? You know, how did they work? Um, right down to actually reading the, the transcription of, of Marie Antoinette's, uh, trial and execution. I mean, all of this went into, um, actually creating this this book of you know what we'll call historical fiction um, <laughs> but uh, it, I think it's going to be a really fun story and um, it's definitely a little uh, a little deeper than than um, I've maybe done in the past as far as you know going into world building because in this world I'm, I'm building a world but at the same time I have to maintain the reality of, of, you know, essentially Paris in, you know, the 1800s. So right. um, we got to make sure that things are authentic while we're still playing around with the idea of, you know, headless queens running around with guillotines. <laughs> it's a thing. It and, is. It's and, going to be anyway. Well, yes. And when this does come out, uh, you should be a guest on my other podcast, Shot of History. I want to do a show on um, the man who was obsessed with the guillotine and sent the most people to their deaths um, in that in that fashion. And then, ironically enough, was sent to his death in that fashion. So that might be. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I think that would actually like be a really cool, like mashup between the way station and shot of history. So we could talk a little bit about yep. what you're doing, a little bit about the history of the guillotine and the man who killed the most people on it. That'd be awesome. beautiful. Yeah. Sounds, I'm down for that. That I, I feel like that's like, that is, yeah, we'll, we'll talk after the show. Well, fun we'll fact, for sure. <laughs> the guy who invented the guillotine was actually named, I, I, I shit you not, Ernest Borgnine. <laughs> I'm lying. That's a, that's a, yeah, you're that's full a of shit. fabrication. I, gonna... I have no idea who it is. <laughs> Joseph Guillotine. That was, that was his name, probably. I, that's I more know. historical fiction. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Let them eat terror. All right, well, we are getting to that point in the show where we unfortunately have to wrap things up. So if people want to find you on Kickstarter, how can they find you? How can they find you anywhere on the interwebs? Um, yeah, well, the, the Kickstarter is easy. Just uh, jump on kickstarter.com, type in Penny for Your Soul. You'll find us. We'll, we'll pop right up there. Um, I'm on Facebook, you know, myself. You're welcome to, to friend me up. We also have the Big Dog Inc. fan page on Facebook, which is where most of our our information is, is, uh, handled out. Um, geez, what, uh, what are these things? Twitter is uh, <laughs> TJH big dog Inc. Um, Instagram is critters daddy. Uh, so that's that, those are the basics. And, um, uh, but Facebook really is where we, we kind of churn out the information that much faster than other places. So, um, if you want to kind of latch onto that, that would be a, probably a good place to start. Well, there we go. Go find him on the internet. Yes. 
<laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Find them on the minute. <laughs> Find them on the minute. Yeah. Someone just, just posted that. Um, Oh, the barbecue and foot massage. Barbecue and foot massage. Yeah. And it's like, it's like we knew about that like 10 years ago. I know. Like, like you're not cool. We were cool. <laughs> you know who's cool? Tom's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Just, he seems like an all right dude. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. And well, this, this, he's this, a fan this. of spider genocide, as I recall. So, yes. Yeah. As we all should oh, yeah. be. <laughs> they, they, they made a very concerted effort to make a comeback this year, but I was not having any of it. <laughs> he was prepared. I let the ones oh, live yeah. above my lamps, but only because they eat the the damn gnats. But if they go away from that spot, splat, they're dead. <laughs> we are talking about well, actual I'll, spiders, I'll, right? Yeah, okay, yeah, that, that wasn't a little, euphemism, I'll leave Jason. You with this little hint that somebody gave me the other day, because there was I was sitting at my desk, and there's uh, a, a shelf basically up high with just stuff on it, and a spider comes crawling out, kind of in the middle of all that stuff on the ceiling, there's no way to really smack it without knocking everything over. So somebody told me, well, what you got to do is you go and take a, a hairspray and you get up there and you spray that dude down with the hairspray and it just locks him up and he just falls off the ceiling. That's it. And then You're he done. falls on your face because life is terrible. And, and you light him on fire. I was going to say, they, they, you take the can of hairspray and a lighter and it's even better. <laughs> you might not have a house, but that spider's gone. Hey, you know what? Sometimes it's just nuke it from orbit. It's the only way to be safe. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta be sure. Well, of course. Of course you do. And Tom, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been like a really kind of a super fun day. It's our first show at the new uh, studio at Detroit Shipping Company. And we did two interviews in one day, which is like, we've never done that. So it's kind of cool. That's awesome. I know. Yeah. So just, just make sure that I'm I'm you know scheduled for at least a quarterly visit. I need to maintain my numbers. Oh, absolutely! Can't be letting anybody get ahead of me. <laughs> you, it's like on Saturday Night Live where they're like, the green jacket, I've hosted yeah. eleven times." You know, hmm. that well, it was the it was the fi- it was the five time club. That that was Steve Martin's thing was that it was it was the five time hosting club. <laughs> I love Steve Martin. Well, who doesn't? People. That have no taste or don't know well, that he exists go. because they're like 12. Yeah. I just watched his and Martin Short special on Netflix, and it was one of the better Netflix specials. It was hilarious. Yes. I loved it. I watched it twice. Of course you so did. So anyway, thank you so much, Tom, for coming on and being awesome and, you know, all all the things. All the things. Of course. Well, thanks for having me again. It's always cool to talk to you. Awesome. Well, you guys, it's been our show. It's another Saturday in the books. Another long Saturday with a lot of delicious wine and a lot of great talk. So thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back in two. Actually, you know what? This month, this is our last show. It's the beginning of the month. We're not doing any more shows. So because... you're not going to come record at Michigan Comic Con? Well, I can't. Well, I know. I'm just kidding. I can't. That I can't was, that was do me it. You Don't crap. be mean. So I'm camping and I have a wedding to go to. And um, unless I go camping. in. <laughs> I don't want to camp. I don't want to. But well, crap. What am I going to do? I don't know, Shiv. I got to make plans two weeks from now. Jeez, well, tomorrow. I mean, it is what it is. But anyway, so this should be the only show for the month of August in 2018. And what a show it was. Um, I do have September completely booked up. So we have three great shows coming for you. Uh, if I get a chance to get in the studio at some point, I'll try to like record something and put it out on one of the weekends so that you don't have to go a whole month before hearing my uh, lovely with, voice with again. With your Stephanie Menard needs. Yes. Yeah, a I'm jaunty tune, love... perhaps? 
a Josie tune. Oh my gosh. I had to pee so bad. Thank you guys so much for listening. And until next time, keep it indie. Welcome to the way station. To ensure traveler safety and comfort, please deposit your baggage at the door. The Waystation encourages open discussions. All stories are also accepted. Rest from your journey through life. Enjoy your stay and please come again.